Lars Christian Skarsgård has served as CEO of Bell Ships since 2019. Lars Christian has wide-ranging shipping experience from sailing as a deck cadet to shipbroking to ship owning and management. All opinions expressed by Christopher Warname or his guests on this podcast are only their opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Warname. You should not treat any opinion expressed by Christopher Warname as a specific reason to invest or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of his opinion. This podcast is for informational purposes only. This episode is produced by William Fransen. When did it come up to your mat that Bellships could be an opportunity for you to, to go over to? That was uh, also from Fernley's. Uh, I went back to Fernley's for a second time. Um, and I was working as a broker and advisor for uh, for various uh, clients. And um, I was involved in the sidelines uh, in, in the transaction, which turned out to be the, the merger between Lighthouse and Bellships. And I, I really strongly believed in the case. And I remember after um, that transaction was um, was done, um, I started buying shares as a private person. I really believed in, in the story and the company. And a half a year later, the new board uh, called me and, uh, and asked for uh, uh, a conversation. And they presented the opportunity to, to assume uh, the role of CEO. So for me, it was... Um, in a way a long uh, process because I was involved in, a, in, a, in, in the transaction and then uh, in a way for me a, a perfect uh, ending and opportunity uh, to join afterwards. So um, yeah, that's how it happened. I, I got to know uh, the people uh, and the company during that process and then yeah, half a year later the, uh, the phone came and um, it was a relatively uh, easy thing to say yes to, a big challenge but uh, a very fun one as well. Talking about the legacy of the company, because that is pretty long. I mean, started in the after, sort of after World War One, I, I guess. So just get, giving the, the legacy story of Bellships, it's uh, it's quite an interesting story. It's been here for a long time. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's a fascinating story. Uh, the company turned a uh, hundred years uh, a few years back, which is is no small feat for a shipping company, and. It's also an example of uh, the cyclical nature of a shipping business. You have to survive uh, peaks and troughs, uh, uh, wars, um, and uh, the the history of Bell Ships uh, really started with uh, a fascinating piece of innovation because uh, at the time you had general cargo ships uh, sailing around um, and and, uh, and and shipping general cargo. And the uh, founder of Bell Ships, he um, came up with an idea to create the first uh, heavy lift vessels in the world, actually, to transport uh, locomotives uh, and railway equipment on deck. And that was a business for the first uh, decades. And then the company has been through tanker, uh, bulkers. Uh, they've been involved in uh, the, the most segments uh, you can think of. And uh, but there's also been a constant for um, yeah about three generations, uh, call it uh, since since the 1930s actually one family through three generations has been involved in the company, so it's 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 a rarity in shipping uh, and it's one of the the, the longest uh, the listed companies in Oslo um, since the mid 1930s. 
fascinating story. People should definitely check that out. I mean, there's a great timeline on your webpage as well, giving all the, the different shifts in the in the business, I guess. So once you, 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 you took over, you said you had a personal strong conviction of the company based on the acquisition and merger. Can you care to explain what made you so optimistic? Was it, was it because it was the perfect fit merging those two companies and that you saw this is a great platform to grow further? Because if you look at the last couple of years, it's been a very impressive transition. I mean, a lot of business has been done over those years. So what do you think, what was the, the pitch that made you so interested in, in, in taking lead on that? It, it, it was a fantastic platform to build uh, uh, the company on. Um, you know, 100 years of history. Uh, they had the listing uh, in Oslo on the main um, stock exchange in Oslo. Um, they had a, a, a fleet of uh, bulk carriers, uh, seven ships at the time. Um, but the merger with Lighthouse transformed the company because uh, the, the fleet doubled uh, to, uh, to, to 16 ships. Uh, but it also uh, brought on board uh, Lighthouse Navigation, which is our commercial and, and, and operating platform. So it transitioned the, the, the company into a, a possible uh, growth story. So the unique part of, uh, uh, of Bell Ships at that time was that you had, you had a listing, you had 100 years of history, so you had a strong uh, brand name. Um, Bell Ships is one of the, the companies who first started contracting ships in, in Japan, and you can trace it back to the late 70s. Um, that's also a unique part of uh, our company uh, today. Um, that gave us an edge in, 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 uh, in financing. And then, um, you know, with the, with, the, the, with the merger, the market cap of the company uh, went from $30 million uh, to about $100 million. So what appealed to me was this was a chance to, to, to take a great uh, company, uh, a great name, and uh, try and make it more uh, relevant for the wider uh, investor uh, market, uh, retail investors, make it investable, make it relevant for, uh, for a wider audience, uh, and see where we can, where we can take it. And, and that was really what appealed to me, the, um, the chance to... Uh, to, uh, to uh, to rejuvenate and and and, um, and be part of this uh, growth uh, story, which it uh, happily has become. Definitely. I mean, last year was, I guess, exceptional. How would you summarize the last year in terms of the rates, etc.? It seems like it has been a very good year. And to, obviously, if you're going to talk about market, how has the transition been to this year? How, how has the change, the narrative on the market, etc.? Well, over the past three years, uh, it's been a it's been a it's been a tremendous uh, eventful period of time uh, where uh, the the market has has showed uh, its cyclical nature. Uh, there's been a lot of unexpected uh, surprises, both positive and negative. Um, I think last year was uh, overall, obviously, an extremely strong year. Um, I mean, we made uh, we made more money last year than our market cap was four years ago, and that's obviously because of a strong market, but also the exceptional growth uh, we've been through. Uh, but last year was was uh, extremely um, uh, it was extremely strong, and and you know, coming out of a pandemic, uh, the bulk market was uh, proved to be really resilient, and and already in. From the summer in 2020, the market uh, started improving. So uh, into last year, we had uh, a lot of new ships coming in, uh, which we had uh, acquired. 
and and the market basically uh, for almost uh, all of the year uh, was on an upward trend um and uh, ironically a lot of the effects from the pandemic in 2020 even with lockdowns and these things were reversed and it it came together and and produced i think a better market than most people expected and how does that feel to sitting here today i mean people are starting to get a bit bearish on the economy in general people seem a bit uncertain how is your macro view right now on and also on the years going going on right now do you feel bearish or do you feel like there is still room to grow in the market uh, that's a good question and uh, that's one of the fascinating thing, things about shipping because it's so integrated in the, in the, in the global uh, economy and it really fuels uh, world gdp uh, or you can turn around and say world gdp fuels uh, shipping so uh, with uh, the inflationary pressures now and uh, recession fears uh, shipping is an interesting place uh, to follow because it's it's um, it's so interconnected with how the trade flows and how the global uh, economy uh, is going. And right now, um, we do see that uh, the rising inflation and increasing interest rates are um, increasing the the chances of a, a possible uh, recession. And uh, I think for for shipping, it's about managing uh, these uh, cycles and they can be short and they can be longer. And it's very difficult to predict uh, the demand side uh, because it's so uh, varied. Um, you know, the biggest factors in the dry bulk market, uh, if you want to single them out, is the Chinese economy being the biggest demand source for the shipping market or dry bulk market. Uh, and also INR, and both of those are currently um, um, a bit uncertain with with the lockdown in in China, uh, and also uh, less than normal INR uh, coming out of Brazil. Um, for us, we've uh, we've actually been quite bullish for the last couple of years, and felt it was a good point in the cycle to build up a company and and expand the fleet. Uh, from last year, uh, around uh, the autumn, we, we changed subtly a bit tech. Uh, so we, we started uh, chartering out uh, a lot of our ships for one and two years. And we've been doing that for the past six to nine months. Uh, so I think maybe a bit differently from, uh, from other uh, listed companies, we actually have quite a bit of charter uh, coverage uh, right now. So for the rest of this year, we, we basically have 70 to 80% already covered. And, and, and for next year, we have about half of the fleet covered. So we, um, we felt like the risk reward to charter out the ships and, and, and take down a bit of the uh, market exposure uh, has been prudent. And then I think uh, whether there is a recession or not, that uh, remains to be seen. It's, uh, I think it's uh, very difficult to predict uh, when uh, that's going to happen. People tend to uh be wrong about those things um uh, certainly with the timing for it so uh, i think for us we've uh we've taken a bit more prudent stance on on short-term market developments over the past half year so i think we're in a pretty good position now where uh, where uh, the, most of our our fleet is covered uh for the rest of the year and we uh we can uh, we can have a pretty constructive view of dry bulk uh, supply and demand over the next let's say two three years because the supply of new ships is steadily decreasing so i think for 
uh, for dry bulk, uh, I think we're uh, we're approaching a supply um, situation which hasn't been been uh, been seen in uh, yeah more than uh, twenty years. It's approaching three decades since the last time we had so few new ships coming into the market. Um, and also when you have when you have inflation, uh, shipping is actually not a bad place to be invested because we have hard assets. And uh, and uh, and that uh, that uh, appreciates if you have uh, inflation in in the economy. Good answer. Just taking maybe maybe a basic question because some people, especially from the international audience, you know, like to compare all dry bulk companies with each other. And but the interesting part here is that there are smaller vessels, which I guess also gives more optionality based on maybe a, a large vessel who basically only is driven by iron ore demand. So how would you summarize sort of the different type of fleet Bellship has compared to other shipping companies who are also in the dry bulk space? Yeah, the simplest way I can uh, I, t- I usually explain it is that uh, we have the biggest ships in the world with cranes and, and we use cranes to discharge and load the cargo. And um, and our ships go up uh, all rivers and, and deltas around the globe. Uh, they're extremely versatile. We uh, we ship uh, more than a hundred different uh, cargoes per year. Um, and if you look over the past three uh, or even ten years, um, the segment of supermax and ultramaxes uh, have actually done the best. And every time you have a downturn, uh, they outperform every single other uh, dry bulk segment. But basically. Uh, they're the biggest ships with 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 cranes, and then if you uh, look at, for example, Cape size Newcastle matches, they're the biggest ships without cranes. And to put it in simple terms, uh, for me, it's it's important in shipping to uh, to invest on the same side of uh, economy of scale. So you want the biggest ships within each uh, cargo or, or trade flow, uh, and uh, and we're in uh, the one of the two biggest ones, which is the the geared segment. And what you tend to see when there are uh, uncertainties with with one cargo or one export, uh, for example, now with uh, with the tragic situation in in Ukraine, um, there are question marks over over wheat exports. Um, you have uh, rain and flooding in Australia, so you have question marks over coal exports. Uh, in Brazil, you've uh, you have iron ore, and what happens is that. The, the ships who rely on one or two cargos only, they tend to uh, be more volatile, whereas our ships, they find other cargos. And, and we trade, if you, if you took a heat map of the globe, uh, the trading pattern of our ships looks like a children's drawing. So it's, it's more versatile and it's more uh, protected uh, to, to, um, uh, to shortfalls in one area or one uh, cargo. Is it fair to say that it, this setup can also take advantage of sort of the the problems we have seen in container markets as well, because you are so versatile, or not at all? Yeah, the, there is an interconnection there, and uh, ever since the the container market uh, started uh, uh, booming uh, a while back, you see a small portion of of uh, previously containerized cargo uh, moving and then being shipped with uh, with uh, with one of our ships. So that's um, that's certainly part of the the, the demand mix, and uh, that's helped also uh, strengthen the, the dry bulk market. So uh, you had uh, congestion in most of the ports in the world. It's just been increasing over the past three four years. Actually, before the pandemic started, um, you have containerized cargos to some extent being shifted into uh, bulk carriers like ours. 
and that certainly um uh certainly uh, uh what do you call it uh aids uh the demand uh, for our ships as well definitely you see you see metals uh certain wood products um bagged cargoes like uh fertilizers these can easily be shipped in a container and they're being shipped in a bulk carrier instead what has been the biggest surprise for you so far this year in terms of the cargo and trade patterns if you besides the war maybe but, but maybe it's also the consequences of it i guess yeah again this year is uh who would have uh, predicted the uh the the story of this year so you you have um you have uh, the situation in ukraine um but also significantly for our market china is is actually going uh, uh through a, a lockdown uh, again <clears throat> and i think uh there's also been uh, perhaps a, a, a negative uh, surprise so far on on iron ore uh, shipments uh, from south america um but uh, again our our segment has has fared extremely well uh, all year uh and and it's another example of how uh, how stable and, and strong uh, the the earnings have been so I think for most uh, most part of this year, it's been the strongest uh, uh, performing segment, uh, and it still has the highest rates uh, if you follow the daily spot uh, measurements uh, from the Baltic index. If you look at, if you're going to touch upon finance lessons, because you've been acquiring so many vessels, sold many, what's been the biggest lessons from a financing perspective? Because at least from the outside, it seems like that's been very well done. The financing part over these last couple of years has been so hectic, get so many deals done. What's been your takeaway from doing all this acquiring and how important finance, the right financing has been? And what is the right financing also? Yeah, to, financing is such an integrated part of, 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 uh, of ship owning investments. Um, <clears throat> apart from the technical and operational side, uh, the financing is really what uh, makes or breaks it in, in, uh, in shipping. And, and of course, you can, you, can, uh, you can time the cycle and buy ships cheap, uh, ships cheap uh, sorry, and, and ex- sell them expensive. But, <clears throat> but over time, uh, financing is, is the clue. And for us... We have um, we set us up uh, uh, using the the Japanese leasing market, which uh, enabled us to finance uh, very modern ships, brand new ships, uh, for periods of uh, around ten years with fixed interest rates. So uh, we started doing this already uh, three years ago uh, when we started buying ships. We uh, sold them to Japanese finance uh, leasing companies and we charter them back for uh, on average periods of eight to 10 years. Um, the advantages of that are several. Uh, first, we, we get fixed interest rates for the entire period, which you see uh, the benefit of today with, with inflation and, and, uh, and rising interest rates and financing costs. Uh, you also have a duration of, of uh, basically twice of what you get from the normal uh, banking or bond market uh, here in Europe and the US. So you have a longer uh, tenor. Um, and then uh, f- for us, it's also been a way to, uh, to, uh, to approach the green shift because we've, we've essentially sold our ships to, um, uh, to a structure where we 
uh, have control of it for, for a period of 10 years, let's say on average up to 2027 to 2030. Um, and during this period, we have options to repurchase the vessels. Uh, but at the end, we're not obliged to uh, purchase the vessel. So, you know, with over the next five years, uh, a lot of things can happen in, uh, with technology, uh, propulsion system, fuels and all these things. So instead of uh, be sitting with old ships and doing nothing or moving too quickly and, and building more ships with nobody needs, which are only marginally better than yesterday's ships, we approached it a bit more financially. So with 75% uh, of our ships financed this way, we can actually turn around the company uh, 180 degrees um, when we approach uh, new technology and, and be a bit more agnostic. Uh, so our, our take on this was competitive financing, but basically having uh, the, the best ships available today, I think is a good solution. Um, and then we can see what happens uh, later in the decade. Um, and and we, re we finished last year selling uh, all our so-called non-eco ships. So I think we, uh, we completed one of the quickest uh, modernization turnarounds of a fleet. Um, uh, so we don't have any so-called non-eco vessels. Um, and the vessels we have today are, are what you could say are the top 10 percentile in terms of efficiency. Um, but we expect that the, the things might look different in 2025 to 2030. And so we've taken a financial approach to that. If you like this episode and the content we produce, you need to check out our newsletter called the Fransen and Wohnheim Letter. You can find more information in the show notes. And also, if you want to see this episode, head over to my YouTube channel. Just type in Christopher Wohnheim. See you next time.